0: My mission is simple to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramer. America. I'm building my friends. i just trying to make it some money. My job isn't just to entertain, but to educate, teach, context. So call me at 1 800 3 CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. You know how I end the show. I always say there's always a bull market somewhere and I promise to find it just for you. There's a reason I say that. It's because of days like today. Even when the Dow looked like it would be down 500 points, what happened? People found things to buy. Not in spite of President Trump's tariff tweet that caused the panic in the first place, but because of it. This morning, everyone was freaked out all about the renewed hostilities with China, right? Wall Street hates the trade war. It hates the tariffs. The last thing money managers wanted to hear is that Trump's going to raise them from 10 to 25% on Friday. The Chinese market got obliterated, uh, down more than 5%. The uh, equivalent of the Nasdaq was down 7%. But then a funny thing happened. If you're initially getting hammered down about 1%, our average just bounced back, with the Dow closing off just 66 points, S&P losing only 4.5%, and the Nasdaq declining merely 0.50. At one point today, I thought it was actually going to close in the block. That's how voracious the buying was. How is this possible? How is it even possible? How was it possible? Let's think. Well, because of my bull market thesis, that's why it's possible. When money flows out of one sector, it tends to flow into another one. Sure, some of it stays on the sidelines because the market is uncertain, but most of it tries to find a new home immediately. Today, investors bail on U.S. companies with tons of China exposure, but then they swiftly put their cash to work in different groups. Where'd it go? All right. First, a lot of this capital poured into domestic companies that investors have faith in. What does faith look like in this context? How about a mammoth insider buy? David Wickman, the CEO of United Health Group, bought $4.64 million worth of stock. That's right, you heard that. $4.64 million, that's not an idle buy, in the open market. That's on top of another purchase by Bill McNabb, another director, for $1.5 million. That's conviction. Last week, you couldn't have found a bigger dog than United Health. I mean, it was painful. (laughs) Everyone was focused on how much money they'd lose if Bernie Sanders or Elizabeth Warren takes the White House and manages to pass an aggressive version of the Medicare for All, and they would lose a fortune. Although that seems like a pretty unlikely outcome, given that the Democratic leadership in Congress mostly opposes the idea of single-payer. But today was all about finding domestic companies that are doing well with real conviction, which is why UNH came roaring back up 3.7%. No China. What else? Money flooded into consumer products companies like Kellogg, Hershey, Kimberly Clark, all look good. Hey, same thing goes for Disney and, of course, McDonald's. And then there was strength in tech. Alphabet, not in China, the parent of Google, had a terrific day. Perhaps the first of many after the stock was eviscerated last week. I think investors are reassessing their negativity. I wasn't thrilled with that last quarter either, but at the end of the day, Alphabet's not losing share to Amazon in advertising. And while they've lost a step in the cloud, it's finally dawning on people that this is a company with a $113 billion in cash. You heard me. Which means they can buy whoever they want to beef up their other bets while at the same time playing catch up with the cloud. I think it's spent enough time in purgatory. My recommendation, if Alphabet is smart, you know what they should buy? I'm just throwing it out there, paying a little investment bank. They should buy Square. Yeah, they should own Square to own the cash register of small, medium-sized businesses. That would be the enterprise that they can dominate. But really, the possibilities are almost endless once they start putting that money to work. It makes me bullish just thinking about it. And you know I've been tough on them. Now, today's action was more about just the winners. You know what it was? It was also about the losers that weren't down enough to satisfy the bears. They were not sated. I've got to tell you something. I thought that a particular stock was going to be down so badly that it would just be, let's say, a really nasty day. Look at Apple. This is a company that's supposed to be hostage to China, yet the stock was down merely 1.5%. Sure, I know it's down more in after hours because Lighthouser said something more than that in a second. Warren Buffett's the largest shareholder in Apple, so this weekend at the Love Fest, that is the Berkshire Hathaway Annual Meeting, CEO Tim Cook came to play. What most stood out to me was the emphasis on Apple as a consumer company. I want you to listen to what Tim Cook had to say to CNBC's own Becky Quick.
1: We're in the tech industry, but we, we, we work at that intersection of technology and the liberal arts and the humanities, and so we make products for people, and the, so the consumer's at the center of what we do. And so uh, I, I love the fact that he looks at us like that because we want consumers to look at us like that. We, we believe that technology should be in the background, <laughs> not the foreground, and that technology should empower people to do things and help them do things they couldn't do otherwise
0: liberal arts does Tim Cook get it or what that was stunning You know me, I've argued for ages that Apple is the greatest consumer product company of all time because there's tremendous technology and a sense of what people want from that technology, and it's got loyalty like no other product. In addition, there's an ecosystem of accoutrements from the watch to the AirPods to the services that are increasingly looking like the future of the company. People love this stuff, which is why Apple has such ridiculously good customer satisfaction numbers, and those numbers allow you to put a valuation on Apple's service revenue stream, a valuation that makes any China-related weakness look like nothing more than a speed bump. I am thrilled that Tim is embracing the consumer product story because that will only allow research firms to change their coverage. Switching Apple from the technology universe to the consumer product universe. And as I told you many times, once the consumer analysts start comparing Apple to the likes of, say, Colgate, the stock is going to look insanely cheap. Hey, heads of research, come on, I've dealt with all of you. Will you please listen to me? You know I know. What's the lifetime value of someone who uses Colgate toothpaste? Mm, uh, hey, how about the lifetime value of an Apple owner? In an era where all toothpaste is pretty the same, and those wacky millennials have no allegiance or loyalty, that's the brain of a millennial. I would prefer the lifetime value of someone who hooked on, who's hooked on Apple than who's hooked on Colgate or Crest or Gillette or any of those things that mean nothing to the millennials whatsoever. And that's why Apple barely got dinged today. You put it all together and today's rebound paints a very bullish portrait. Normally, when the market gets hammered, people wait around for a few days before putting their money back to work. Not today. Yes, it's true. Again, the U.S. trade uh, Lighthouser did have some harsh words tonight about the Chinese reneging on agreements, ensuring a down opening tomorrow. But it couldn't be a repeat of today's action because we kind of knew that from the president's tweets. The bottom line. When the averages got hit this morning on new Chinese worries, people almost instantly pulled out the shopping list and started buying high-quality domestic stocks that have nothing to do with the trade war. That's a very bullish sign, people. One that says there's a lot of capital sloshing around. Let's hope it isn't all sopped up by Uber.
1: John in Michigan, John. Hey, Jim, love the show. Thank you. Uh, Got a Trump stock that's trading below book value and seven times earnings. U.S. Steel.
0: Well, U.S. Steel trades that way because its balance sheet is bad. We are believers in Nucor. Now, is not as cheap, but you know what? Balance sheet is everything in the steel business. Go ask the people at Bethlehem Steel, at AK Steel. Go ask the people at Wheeling. Go ask, wow, look at, go ask the people at Sharon. Go ask the people at, at Link. Go ask the people at Well Well, you get the picture, right? Jones and Lachlan. Remember that? Jones and Lachlan? Hey, how about John in Illinois? Please, John. Hey, Jim, booyah, thanks for taking my call. Of course, John. Welcome to the show.
1: Hey, Jim, uh, thank you. I, uh, Jim, I'm calling about a stock you've recommended in the past. The company is Trex, symbol T-R-E-X. Yes! In, you know, they make a wood replacement product. I've owned it since 2012. I'm up over 600% on my original investments. Uh, last year, uh, their, their uh, trailing earnings were up 41%. Uh, they're exceeding their five-year growth rate as of last year. Right. Good return on equity, clear market leader, but they've stumbled recently. First quarter was kind of weak, they've had some manufacturing problems bringing a new product online. Um, I'm wondering. Uh, it, it was at a high of ninety. It's down right. To sixty-five right now. Well, is it a buyer, a seller, or look, a look? A lot things? of the housing stocks
0: have gotten hurt. And yes, that wasn't a, a perfect quarter. But Trex is an amazing product. There is another company that's, that's that is gaining on them uh, that I know. But I think the Trex is is one that you want to own. I think their stuff is great. My buddy Michael Haley, who works with me on my deck, we. Sw- I swore I would never have anything but wood. You know what? I'm a Trex guy. I can't believe it. It, it 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 looks it's like beyond meat Days like today can be scary. It was scary at the opening. There's no doubt about it. But they also can give you some great buying opportunities. They should remind you that a pullback can give you great prices. We'll have one again tomorrow. If you're brave enough to act, I think you'll do fine. Well, oh, mad tonight. The oldest U.S. automaker is moving higher today. Well, I've got to tell you, Ford is now more valuable than Tesla since the first time since April 2017, although it finished off a couple of pennies. But can this automotive legend lead the new era in autos? Or are you suspicious like me? I don't know. And Megan and Harry aren't the only ones celebrating a royal. I'm telling you which company's being crowned a new Cloud King. And forget about Hasbro. Forget about Mattel. I'm telling you why the hottest toy company just might be Funko. So stay with Kramer.
1: Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag mad tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at cnbc.com or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. From the horseless carriage to a driverless wonder, Ford has made cars and made history. The future of auto is an open road. Should this auto icon be parked in your portfolio.
0: On a tough but still comeback day for the averages, you know what held up incredibly well the whole session? Ford Motor. You might think an automaker would be exactly the kind of stock that would get slammed on rising trade tensions with China. But Ford only shed four cents today, and that's part of a larger trend. If are spending the better part of a decade in...
1: The house of pain.
0: We've seen a miraculous comeback in Ford stock this year. So far, it's up more than 35% for 2019. <laughs> At a time when the auto industry is in pretty rough shape, you've got to wonder if this kind of move is sustainable. But I think we're witnessing the beginning of a multi-year turn here, and now I'm going to tell you why. Buy, buy, buy! First... You need to understand why Ford's been so long in the wilderness. All right, here's a stock that peaked at seventeen dollars. All right, twenty fourteen, and proceeded to just get obliterated. Look at this. I mean, this has been so how hurtful is that? I mean, if you're in there to crush your ego, I mean, you probably never want to buy a Ford again. Even after its recent run to ten bucks, Ford is still down twenty-five percent over the past five years. So what went wrong? How about anything and everything? On the operational side, Ford got left behind by the rest of the industry. They didn't adapt quickly enough to the rise of the electric car or autonomous driving. It, It took them too long to shift away from smaller cars and towards popular crossovers and SUVs. And their international business was just a mess. As a result, Ford's stock became a value trap years, it's been one of the cheapest stocks in the market on a price earnings basis, but nobody cared about it. The earnings have been in decline since 2015. Everyone just assumed the numbers would keep getting worse. Remember how we think about stocks. It's very instructive here. So the numbers go down, and this actually does track the numbers. And people say, well, come on, Jim. How do you figure out what a stock's going to do? Well, you know, this is earnings per share each year bad. Makes sense, right? By 2017, Ford's board of directors, they realized they needed a change of direction so what did they do? Well, they fired CEO Mark Fields, first of all, and they appointed a guy named Jim Hackett to replace him. Hackett's claimed to fame. Now, initially, I dismissed this, but I've rethought about the things. He transformed steel case. That's that office furniture place into a business that reimagines office layouts and changes the way companies furnish their workspaces. He turned it upside down. Ford wanted him to do the exact same thing for the auto business, but it took a long time, and while Hackett was working, the industry started getting crushed by what feels like a cyclical decline, decline layer on top of a secular decline. Mm, nasty. As the rise of ride-sharing means that people don't feel the need to buy cars the way they once did. Things got worse before they got better. By last summer, people were losing patience, especially after Ford canceled September Investor Day, and management refused to give us much detail about their plans. (laughs) Suddenly, analysts started fretting that Ford's future earnings would evaporate. The company would end up in a liquidity crunch, and it might have to slash its bountiful dividend, which right now yields 5.8%. That's fantastic. Now, after the horrific fourth quarter bear market, the stock started rebounding at the beginning of the year along with everything else. That is until mid January when Ford pre announced an earnings shortfall and the stock tumbled 6% in a single day. I mean, oh, God, this is a Job story. It's not a Ford story, it's Job. But then a funny thing happened. When Ford reported its full fourth quarter results a week later, Wall Street really liked what they had to say. I think Hackett did an excellent job of owning the bad results from 2018 and then projecting confidence that the cut would be able to turn things around in 2019. On top of that, CFO Bob Shanks, who retired but who's fabulous, explained that Ford would be able to fully fund its capital plans this year, putting out that the balance sheet remains strong. Something needed to be said given the fact that there were a lot of analysts who were saying, you know what, this dividend, it's going to be cut and it's going to destroy everything. Even better, two days after the quarter Reuters, reported an internal message that Jim Hackett had sent to his employees where he told them to bury 2018 in a deep grave and challenge them to help double the company's operating profit. That reinforced what we heard on the call, a fired-up management team that's ready to take drastic action in order to turn things around by any means necessary. That's Malcolm X. That isn't what the term, but I just like that. Come early April, we learned that Ford did some solid U.S. auto sales in the first quarter thanks to the strength of the pickup truck business, as well as record SUV numbers. They're opening factories, for heaven's sake. Man, a week and a half ago, the company delivered a game-changer of a quarter. Ford shot the lights out. Earning forty-four cents a share. You know, the analysts were only looking for twenty-seven. Oh, much higher than expected sales. You know how much we care about sales, right? That shows the future. Forty-point-three billion. Wall Street was only looking for thirty-seven-point-one billion. Even though global shipments were down fourteen percent year-over-year, the earnings for interest taxes increased by twelve percent year-over-year. Meaning Ford delivered the better profitability that they had always pro- that they had promised. I always felt that the family wanted to be all things to all people. I don't know what's happening, but that's not Hackett style. So how did they do it? The key here is that Ford's taking aggressive action to get out of un profitable businesses that just weren't working. Rather than chasing revenue growth all over the world, they're now focused on the areas that are actually making money. Can you imagine? For years, the international business was an albatross around the company's neck. There was always something going wrong. When I used to speak to the company, like, well, look, you know what happened. It was Argentina. No, it was Venice. No, it was actually this. Jim, did you look at what Brazil? No! In the in the last few months, Hackett has withdrawn from many of those bad markets where Ford was basically a market share donor to other automakers. In January, he announced the realization of Ford's European business where Ford discontinued its least profitable vehicles and it's doubling down on its most profitable ones. Can you imagine? That includes a lot of cost cuts and factory closures. It's tough to do in Europe, but they're doing it. In February, we learned that Ford would stop making heavy-duty trucks in Latin America. In March, they got out of the passenger vehicle business in in Russia. Suboptimal markets all. We know China's been terrible for Ford, too. Last year, the Chinese sales declined by 37 percent. Brutal. We still don't have a clear picture of what they're going to do in the People's Republic. But Hackett's already told us they're going to be laying off 10 percent of the workforce of their largest Chinese joint venture. And in terms of profitability, China's already started to turn. Oh, that's the big thing, people. Ford is doing everything it can to stop the bleeding and become more focused, more profitable business, even if that means they sell far fewer cars. I'm telling you, I think it's working. That's not all Hackett's been doing. He's made it for lost time, ramping up Ford's investments in autonomous driving, technology, and electric vehicles, included with planned electric versions of the F-Series pickup and a Mustang-inspired crossover vehicle. Last month, they announced a $500 million investment in Rivian. That's an Amazon-backed electric vehicle company, as well as partnership to make new batteries using Rivian's platform. They're all also bringing in a former Amazon guy, Tim Stone. He's going to replace uh, Bob Shanks as the new financial officer. So you put it all together, you get a pretty clear picture. Six months ago, everyone was worried about Ford's future. You had analysts fretting about the company running out of money, potentially hitting their, dis- their dividend with a 50% cut. Ford has now put those worries to tub- Jim Hackett is finally delivering on his turnaround plans. He's created a leaner, meaner, more focused company that can deliver higher profits even when its sales are shrinking. Ford no longer wants to make cars everywhere no matter what the cost. It doesn't want a one-car-fits-all worldwide strategy. Instead, Ford Ford is only making vehicles where it can turn a real profit or else there's nothing worth making. And that's why I think this stock is just ridiculously cheap at seven times earnings with a bountiful 5.8% yield, the bottom line. Ford's comeback is the real deal, people, real deal. And I think it's just getting started. This is one auto-related stock I am willing to endorse right now because Ford has figured out the auto business stinks. And they're doing everything they can to pare back their exposure to the worst parts of it while embracing what works, like the fabulous, wonderful F-150 in all spawn. The best truck in the world. Let's take a look The past couple weeks, I've been telling you that this market was starting to feel frothy, which you know worries me. That meant we were due for a pullback. We sure had one at the beginning of the day. Maybe we're not done. That was something this morning, wasn't it? I don't know what would cause it. I was more worried about actually the current deluge of IPOs than about escalation of the trade war with China. But I've been telling you to take some profits for a reason. We build up a lot of cash for Action Alerts Plus for the uh, club. Because I don't like froth. I've been there, done that, now that we're getting hit, I want you to be ready. Especially since I'm still concerned about that Uber deal on Friday. So what do we do during a sell-off? We make shopping lists so that we know what to buy when it gets to lower levels, so we're not shocked and dazed and confused. That's why tonight I want to make sure that one stock in particular makes it onto your shopping list. I'm talking about Twilio, T-W-L-O. That's that cloud-based communication software company that lets uh, uh, app developers connect with their users, Every time you get a text message from, say, uh, Airbnb, that's powered by Twilio. In fact, this company and stock of such terrific records that I want to do more than recommend them. No, tonight we're going to have a coronation. Fitting because, like, some baby was born over there with the special relationship thing. Um, I, I'll read it in People magazine. Actually, I'll follow it in People Twitter. They pay me to look, I think, now. So, see, for over a year now, I've been pounding the table. That's table penning. On the cloud kings, seven of the highest quality plays on the rapidly growing cloud business between Adobe, Red Hat, Salesforce, ServiceNow, Splunk, VMware, and Workday. Get this. These have given you a 37% gain since I crowned them in March of last year. How much did the S&P go up? 5.4%. 37 versus 5. I mean, come on. This is where the action is. But ever since we learned that Red Hat, Red Hat had been bought by IBM. I mean, it was unbelievable. It's just, you know, it's disappearing. Yep. Red Hat, well, we got to have a replacement for Red Hat. See, with today's news that the Justice Department is pleased, has blessed the Red Hat deal with IBM, there's clearly going to be a vacancy here. And that's where Twilio comes in. It's taking Red Hat's place as the seventh cloud king. Why, Julia? Well, here's a stock that's more than tripled last year. We're going from 23 and change to just under 90. I'm sure you think we're late. We're not. It just keeps climbing, rising to the 130s today, even as it recently pulled back from its highs. You might think that this stock has run up too far too fast, that it's too hot to handle, but I think it's kind of an incredible growth story where you rarely get any kind of significant dip. And when you do, look at this. Each time you had to pounce, you had to make your move, you had to, you couldn't, you couldn't just, it it was time. The crux of the story. The cloud is transforming nearly every aspect of business, including the way that companies communicate with their customers. We now live in a mobile world where the best way to connect with people is via text message. But all sorts of businesses lag behind here. uh, Think about how many companies still try to reach you mainly through snail mail. I mean, come on, give me a break. I, I get very little mail now, thank heavens. Maybe that means nobody cares. That's right. Twilio's technology makes it easy to for businesses to connect with you via text. And and I think we're witnessing a prolonged multi-year investment cycle where all sorts of enterprises invest in exactly this kind of technology. Even better, Twilio keeps finding new opportunities here. For example, last year they rolled out a new product, Twilio Flex, that helps companies modernize their absurdly outdated call centers. According to Twilio, something like 80 to 90% of call centers still use old-fashioned on-premises software. Most of these call centers want to embrace the cloud. But they need a more flexible software platform, which is what Twilio Flex is all about. Their system makes it easy to build bots and integrated voice response systems. They let companies automate many of these call functions. I think it could be huge. Twilio also partnered with WhatsApp, giving their customers a reliable and secure way to send messages to WhatsApp. 1.5 billion users worldwide. What else? A few months ago, Twilio closed on an acquisition of SendGrid. They're all excited about this one, which will let them do the same thing with email. Now they're in the whole package. They help businesses connect with their customers across text messages, phone calls, video, and email. But, but why recommend this thing right now? Because the company reported a great quarter last week, and its stock sold off anyway because it had already run going into the earnings. Twilio initially jumped from 137 to 142, on some very strong numbers. By the end of the, of the session, though, the stock closed down 6%, 128. And it's still down more than 5 bucks from where it was trading before the quarter, and the quarter was amazing. It, it you know, anyway. Twilio earned five cents per share. Wall Street was looking for a penny. Their shelves came in higher than expected, up 81 percent. People year over year, 14 percent versus the previous linked quarter. The company's revenue retention rate, how much money, uh, money, uh, how much money their existing customers spent versus the previous year. That's a great metric for them. It's like a same store number, 146 percent. its existing customers spent 46 more versus 46 percent more versus the first quarter of 2018. Even better, Twilio gave bullish guidance for both the next quarter and the full year. Plus, CEO and Kramer fave Jeff Lawson, who's been on a bunch of times, told a terrific story in the conference call, yet the stock sold off anyway. And I think this is the kind of name that you have to be prepared to load up when to weakness. I know it's not a huge pullback, but the Cloud Kings rarely give you those. I mean, look, you just get modest dips in these things, and they turn out to be fabulous entry points. Honestly, I was hoping that Twilio would get hit harder today when I was working on this piece, but after opening all the way down to 127, the stock ultimately clawed its way. Back to 131, closing in the black. I mean, that's how resilient this is. These are all resilience. I mean, service now. Holy cow. I mean, these are, that's why we go out west, frankly. We go out west to see these companies. We're but we're going next week, by the way, because I miss it. All right. And I like getting up at 2 a.m., but the problem is, is I go to bed at 2 a.m. So it's a real difficult thing when I'm out there. Party hard, go to bed at 2, wake up at 2. It's unbelievable. Try it. All right. There's one more reason I like Twilio here. The recent wave of ridiculously overvalued tech IPOs has made this stock look darn cheap by comparison. Consider Zoom video communications. They're that cloud-based video conferencing software company, smoking hot stock. These are very similar companies, but their stocks are radically different valuations. Now, Zoom does have a faster growth rate. Its sales were up 131% last year. Twilio only up 81%. <laughs> That's still a number most companies would kill for. So on these, on this level, it makes sense for Zoom to be more expensive. But man, oh man, Zoom is 120% more expensive. 120% more expensive than Twilio. Trading 34 times this year's sales. Twilio is 15 times. I've told you before that I think people are paying too much for these fresh-traced IPOs. However, if people are willing to pay 34 times sales for Zoom, which is a second-rate company versus Twilio, that makes Twilio's valuation look a lot less absurd by comparison. I'm not going to tell you that it's cheap, but I'd rather own Twilio than these shiny new objects, including, by the way, Beyond Meat. That's no cloud king. Beyond meat. I mean, if you say it a lot, does it make it, the stock go up still? That's why we started a position Twilio today for my Chapel Trust, which you can follow along by joining actionlordsplus.com club. We've been saying over and over again, waiting for first down day. We got it. It's the only way to buy it. The bottom line, with Red Hat being bought by IBM, we're crowning Twilio as our newest cloud king. The company's had an amazing year, and over the long haul, I'm betting its stock has more room to run. I just hope Twilio sells off later this week. Money managers dump all the things in tech in order to raise funds for Uber's IPO. Now that would be a gift. Ready? You guys weren't ready for Beyond Meat when the sausage stuck on the wall.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Odd job. Tom in Florida. Tom. Hey, Jim, a big booyah from Jacksonville Beach. Jacksonville? uh, Oh, my. I love the Jags. I love the Jags. Great team. But well, they're, yeah. they're gonna come
0: back. They're gonna be a good team this year.
1: Oh yeah. Now, I like their
0: I like their roster. Big improvements because see you got the greatest quarterback in the world other than when we have. Let's go.
1: <laughs> All right. Hey, I started building my portfolio based on your recommendations from January 3rd with Apple. In February, towards the end of February, you have the CEO of CyberArk. Didn't you um, love him? Mo, I love Moe he,
0: he was fabulous. Udi Makati, I love him.
1: He was fantastic. Yes. Well, as soon as the show closed, I boom right on the. Uh, I went right to my accounts and I uh, I bought CyberArk. Well, you must be up 30, 40 points. Yeah, I am. I had a great uh, I had a great return with them, and I'm still hanging on to them. But my big question is, I know you like this area of, of the market, especially in technology for cybersecurity, but. Do we buy more? Or do we? Do now you we don't want to buy more. more you don't do we want we to violate hold?
0: your basis. I always teach that at the club. Uh, you've got a great position. You're a winner. If you want to, I would take maybe a quarter of it off and go buy a cashmere sweater with it. And congratulations. That's what my mom always did when she would gamble. My mom liked the slots and the ponies. Uh, she did. She loved the ponies. Let's go to Dave in Illinois. Dave. No, we can't. We're going to save Dave, whom I know. Dave is long time, long time. What do you call it? Many time, long time. What is the term? Time time. All right. I think our newest Cloud King Twilio has more room to run over the long term. i am keeping my fingers crossed for an Uber related pullback later this week. And it's time to say goodbye to
1: Red Hat.
0: <gasps> Much more man, buddy. had Funko's Pop Toys aren't the only thing popping. With the stock moving higher up to earnings, I'm getting the full toy story that President Trump knows more than you about how tariffs work. Let me tell you what. An lawyer calls rapid fire. It's tonight's edition of The Lightning Round. So stick with Kramer. Every day, the stock market makes mistakes, and sometimes those mistakes are so obvious that you need to take action. Consider the case of Funko. The company makes all sorts of licensed collectibles, figurines related to movies, TV shows, sports, musicians, basically pop culture tchotchkes, if you want to call them that. When Funko reported some fantastic numbers in early March, the stock got hammered, mostly on profit-taking. That's why I pounded the table and told you to buy this one when it was trading at $17.79. Since then, Funko's giving me a phenomenal 20% gain, and I would not be surprised if it's got more room to run. See, when Funko reported again last Thursday, it delivered a magnificent $0.08 cent earnings beat off of an $0.08 cent basis, higher than expected sales up 22% year-over-year. It was a clean beat in the stock word response, something that continues today. Funko tacking on another 4%. But even up here, I've got to tell you, the darn thing just sells for 15 times earnings, and I think that makes no sense, given the slate of mega-blockbuster movies this year. I think the numbers will continue to be excellent. Do not take it from me, though. Let's check in with Brian Mariotti. He's the the CEO of Funko. Find out more about this exciting company's quarter and where it is headed. Mr. Mario. welcome to Mad Money. Good to see you, Brian. Thanks Have for a having seat. me on. All right, Brian, you are um, you're at the epicenter. I know you say the yes. uh, the company's at the You're at the epicenter of pop culture, yes. and it's really amazing how quickly you produce these things. For instance, the Flyers, my yep. Philadelphia team. Yep. Boom. right? The first ever gritty pop. Gritty. Right there. There you go. And then, I mean, look, all that my kids and my wife talk about are Game of Thrones. And you're there.
2: Oh, yeah. Every week. Every week we watch the show. We put products out the next week for sale. How there is were, that possible? Uh, a bunch of people that absolutely love pop culture, tuned into pop culture, artists, marketing people, uh, designers, and, the, and, and our wonderful partnership with HBO. So we watch the episode. We have stuff out within two to three days. We start pre-selling it. Now, how much is, is from China? Uh, we are right now uh, morphing toward about uh, 70% outside of China. Okay. Yep.
0: And uh, can you move as fast outside China? And there's, is the product the same quality?
2: Yeah, uh, better quality, better, better cost, quality. better quality. And uh, less expense. Less expense, uh, less, uh, better cost of goods, more stability. Wow. Okay, so walk us through some things because it's very exciting. Well, I mean, look, we're, we're in the middle of uh, arguably going to be the largest movie in the history of cinema, right. which is uh, Avengers Endgame. Obviously, we had released 20-some-odd uh, products, but after the movie aired... Marvel was... Uh coy enough to not tell us everything was going to happen in the movie. So our designers are rushing uh, six or seven new products, in addition to about five or six embargoed products that we had once the movie was released. All right, so let's say I went to your factory. Yeah.
0: Would there be people working 24-7? I mean, like, you know, is there someone working at 3 a.m. tonight? There is,
2: there is. Really? Yes, and we're, we're uh, now, with the internet and, and spoilers, uh, we're on lockdown, making sure we don't ruin any movies, because that's another response bill we have to have with our partners. How quickly can you do athletes worldwide? We can get uh, athletes done as soon as under 70 days. Right, give me an example of an international a- uh, athlete that I would want. Well, I think you know. Uh, obviously, uh, we're doing uh, Tiger Woods, okay, and we're working with uh, Augusta and doing him in his green jacket. So that's going to be a big one. Obviously, very relevant with right. him and his in his uh, win uh, for the first major in 11 years. Uh, India. Yeah. We Do the three largest uh, cricket players in India. As All right. We so start- what do you? If
0: three large. I mean cricket. They are. Uh, Hey, they're just crazed about. It. Yeah, yeah. So, what will? How many will you produce, and how many will you sell? What do you think? I,
2: I think we'll do the the top three players. My guess is we'll be at least a, uh, a half a million units just on those three players.
0: That's astounding. How can yeah. you meet that demand?
2: Yeah, it's it's uh, a lot of factories working a
0: lot of time. Uh, we had stock on recently. Yep. Now, to me, these are collectibles. I want to. I mean, literally, yeah. I was thinking. Let's say I bought this and I put it away. Yeah. I mean, how about you know on StockX like two years from now? I mean, these are like fine wines.
2: They are, yeah. Uh, Josh is uh, a really brilliant. Josh is cool. He, brilliant we CEO, and uh, his uh, idea of the secondary market for sneakers is amazing. Those collectors have the same mentality as our collector base, and that they love sneakers. They love right. Urban Wear. Very much like a lot of people love pop culture.
0: All right. Well, I, do, you think, do you think my idea of maybe they, imp- they uh, go up in value over time? Oh, I, I think they do. They All right. Now, social media is a measurement. You do that. You look at social media to try to figure out what's going on. Yeah.
2: Valuable? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. We are constantly, our antennas are up. We're just under 800 employees. I would say 85 90% of our employees are absolutely pop culture addicts. Their but, antennas are up at all times.
0: But meanwhile, Avengers is just this incredible tailwind. Yeah. So can you just keep putting out Avengers stuff or you always have to think about the next thing?
2: I, you're always thinking about the next thing. What's wonderful about our, our, our content providers is there is a roadmap. It is very clear. We know what we're working on in 2020 and with 2021. That includes video game companies. That's talking to bands. That's talking to, uh, you know, whatever's the next great TV show. So we're, that roadmap is there. It's just our job to make sure we navigate now, Is anybody
0: it. out there competing with you?
2: No. Our business model is very unique. Uh, Hasbro or Mattel, wonderful companies. Yes. Very small, license-based. Funko has 1,100 licenses. That's more licenses than anybody in our industry, and a fast-fashion approach to getting those products Best into the hands. Fast-fashion approach. That's the way to do it. Uh, now,
0: I, one of the things that I I saw when I looked at the situation was I said, okay, 30% of—now, this is my world—30% of your stock is, is sold short, mm-hmm. as if You're a commodity. Mm -hmm. The thing that I see by the speed, by the characters you pick... You're anything but a commodity, and that's just a misrepresent
2: re- false representation of what you do. They don't understand that they don't understand the business model. And anyway, it's our job to educate them. to get on Well, that's and why I'm glad you're and on talking, the show. Because and, if I were watching yeah. the show and I was short yeah.
0: the stock, I said, maybe I'm out of my mind. Yeah. What you just described is a fantastic, they don't like the licensing business. Yeah. Like they heard iconics. Yep. Remember that was licensing. Yep. Not all licensing businesses are created equal. Yeah. I think iconics can have a
2: comeback, by the way. But people don't understand that you've locked it up. Well, what they don't understand is we're not a hit-driven business. And think about that. 1,100 unique licenses and we're not hit driven. That means if I put all my eggs in the Moana basket or the Star Wars basket or the Frozen basket and those movies underperform, we're hit driven or our stock would sink. We're not hit driven. We have all these wonderful type of properties across movies, video games, sports, music and TV to leverage against. We're not hit driven. Do you have Netflix? We do, absolutely. We're, we're the global partner for all hard lines for Netflix. So any
0: big show that comes from Netflix, I should expect a Funko yep. something or other. Well,
2: not only that, a Stranger Things is one of our biggest ones, but internationally, La Casa del Papel does very well good in Latin America and in Spain, and also Club de Cuervos, which is out of Mexico. So we leverage both of those international hits with Netflix, along with the domestic hits.
0: And then in the end, uh, for little kids, you own all of the all the child does, a- absolutely,
2: right? Absolutely. Still, 65% of our, our revenue is aimed at 35-year-olds, men and women equally.
0: Well, I, I find your company so exciting. I want to thank you for being so cooperative with us yeah. and bringing so much stuff because this is the real story. But you have built a fabulous company. I salute you. Thank you very much. Okay. That's Brian Mariotti. He's the CEO of Funco. Guys, this is an amazing story and people are short it because I think they don't know what it is and what they do. Their money's back yet to the break. Thank you, my friend. It is time. It's over the lightning round. And then the lightning rounds are are you ready, Skeet? Dad, over the lightning round. we am going to start with George in New Jersey.
1: George! Jim, my stock is an American company with recurring revenue. Lennox Industries. I L- have liked I Linux Industries
0: since the show began. It's just an unbelievable market. They are really good at the HVAC, or the sprinklers, everything. Nice call by you. Hey, I need to go to Frank in Florida. Frank!
1: Hey, Jimmy. Yo, buddy. You're my guru. I'm thinking about taking a position in neighbor's industry. Okay, your guru
0: is saying, your guru is saying. Don't buy, don't buy, don't buy. You don't need that house of pain. I want you some better stocks. You need Kevin in Minnesota. Kevin. Jim, thanks for taking my call. Of course. Hey, man, here I need some help. You're looking at CHRW,
1: CH Robinson.
0: Oh, man, you're just going to be in a house of pain yourself. The stock is all the way up. Uh, You know what? I think you should buy FedEx. I really do. I like FedEx here, and you can buy some if it goes lower. I think FedEx is going to turn around. It's being slammed by China. Maybe wait three days, see what happens. Let's go to Robin in Washington. Robin. Hey, Jim. Good evening to you. Good evening. I'm calling
1: you from Wild and Wacky,
0: Washington, D.C. Oh, boy, is it ever. I was there recently. It was just Wild and Wacky. Yes, it is. And I was wondering what your
1: thoughts are about investing in the X.
0: The black <laughs> I think the time to have owned that has now passed. And I'm going to have to say don't buy. Don't buy because don't it buy. had the big move. I don't anticipate another big move. Richard in Texas. Richard! Hey Kramer. <laughs> Howdy from Valley, Texas. Been there. I'm an action alert plus. plus yes, center. join me on the call Thursday, man. I got some yes. express some stuff looking forward to it thank you 11 30. what's up looking uh for some info on take two Interesting. i c- think it's t-a-two. been enough time in the wilderness <sighs> I'm up, I'm up, I'm up, i think that strauss Elvis got a lot of irons in the fire do not give up on take two reports pretty soon david in colorado david
1: hey big colorado booyah jim oh man First mile high time. booyah
0: mile high what's up my stock is DW Pharma.
1: Good G-W- news. Kate. Good news
0: after the close about epilepsy. I, uh, geez, it's a uh, that. Well, that's the synthetic cannabis, so to speak, cannabinoid, and it's really a rather remarkable company. I hope Kurt Eikenwall's listening. He's fabulous. He's got a fabulous book out, Unraveled Mine about epilepsy. Let's go to Ali in California, Ali.
1: Hey, Jimbo, yeah, I want to thank you for the greatest advice ever. Don't be a pig to get a slaughter. And because of that, I was prepared today. Thank you for that. Wow, thank and
0: you, man. You are welcome, as my mom would say. What's up? Only
1: for four, 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 uh, four weeks in the market, and I was prepared. Thank you. But uh, now my question is, with all this kind of uncertainty, I'm looking into defense sector. How do you like general dynamics? You know, it should
0: translate like that, but people just say in the end, hey, the Democrats are in the house, so therefore you can't buy uh, defense. And I got to stick by that, because that's the zeitgeist. And that, ladies and gentlemen, conclusion of the Lightning Round!
1: The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. You want
0: to know why the Chinese-related panic didn't stick? The president comes out of nowhere this weekend and tells us he wants to raise the existing tariffs on $200 billion worth the Chinese imports from 10 to 25 percent and possibly slap tariffs on everything from China. Immediately, everybody freaks out. He sabotaged the trade talks. We're losing the trade war. The sky is falling. Except none of that is true. I know Wall Street's desperate for any kind of trade deal. Most money managers just want the hostilities to end so we can go back to business as usual. Uh-uh, not going to happen. I know the widespread consensus is that we can't beat China at their own game, so we shouldn't even try. But man, that consensus couldn't be more wrong, which is why the panic subside. And the averages erase most of their losses. In reality, we're winning the trade war. We're winning. We're winning regardless of what you think of Trump. The truth is that China's a paper tiger, something that's obvious if you just look at the darn numbers. There's a reason our Nasdaq was down 0.5% today, while the Chinese equivalent of the Nasdaq was down 7.5. Our S&P was down 0.45. The Chinese equivalent was down 5.6. At the end of the day, the People's Republic needs our commerce a lot more than we need their commerce. The United States is a cash-fueled economy. The PRC is a debt-laden house of cards. They need our money, but do we really need their cheap stuff, landfill stuff? There are dozens of other countries that would love this business. You heard what Funko said earlier in the show about where they're moving their stuff. You think the White House doesn't know that? You think the president isn't watching the averages like a hawk? They're his Nielsen ratings, for heaven's sake. That's the first thing you need to understand. His tweet about raising tariffs was a test. It gave us a head-to-head trial, and the results of the trial were clear. A continued trade war is much worse for China than it is for us. The averages don't lie. Now, you may think Trump is totally clueless about international trade, but he recognizes something that a lot of exports completely forget. To a certain extent, trade negotiations are a zero-sum game. For one side to win, the other side has to lose. He wants us to win, and there's no reason we can't. The United States has insanely strong job creation with barely any inflation. We just had plus plus 3.2 percent GDP growth. People are looking for two. This may be the best economy since we've had since 1969. And because there's hardly any inflation, unlike 1969, the Federal Reserve has a lot of leeway before it will feel compelled to raise interest rates. Oh, and if the new tariffs actually cause a slowdown, Trump knows Fed Chief Jay Powell will give us a boost with a rate cut. The Chinese economy, on the other hand, well, let's just say it's vulnerable. That's why the president pushing for the impossible. He doesn't just want China to buy more soybeans, for heaven's sake. He wants them to stop forcing our companies into joint ventures as the price of entry into the Chinese market. If China lets America do business there, I bet Trump will gladly take that deal. They can't steal our Internet. They can't steal our stuff if there's no joint venture. But the Communist Party has been gaming the system for so long, maybe they're unwilling to make concessions. And you know what? That's fine, too. The longer this trade war goes on, the more obvious it gets that China's losing a lot more than we are. I know the pundits in the mainstream press, many who seem to worship at the altar of Chinese power, will never agree with what I just said, and they never think that the president has an upper hand. Hey, he can tell the Chinese, if you bend a little, I won't raise the tariffs. China will hate it. But at least the Communist Party will be able to say they kept the tariffs from going even higher. That's why I'm confident we're going to get a good outcome here. And it's why the stock market really rebounded so dramatically from its lows today. And we'll probably do the same tomorrow when it opens down because of White House's comments. Guys, we have the cards. Today's show, today's action, it shows we got a winning hand. Stick with Kramer. Tomorrow, down and then up. It's a pattern. Like I said, there's always a bull market somewhere. I promise i find it just for you right here on my money. I'm Jim Kramer and I will see you tomorrow.